Hello, everybody. Welcome to TLDR Podcast. Uh, it's episode six, uh, coming off a pretty busy week. Uh, we got, you know, MLB starting up. Um, NHL is bringing in Sea Monsters into the into the league. Uh, Racking. Not to mention, not to mention, NBA's starting up at the uh, at the end of this week, and the NHL's. I mean, not there's exhibition games going on right now, but there's uh they're they're officially dropping the puck for the the qualifiers on Saturday. Boys, I'm 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 freaking excited. I mean, it, it seems like we're kind of getting back to like a normal life. I mean, what do you think, Tyler? Hell yeah, dude! I'm I'm so excited. We got live sports back that matters, sports that we all love. Baseball. I mean, not even a full week of games, and already a fuck ton of stuff happened. I'm gonna get to that. Is baseball gonna stay? Is, I hope is so. Baseball gonna continue, or are they gonna suspend the season? I sure hope so. We'll we'll get to that more later on. But uh, right now we got negative games. Nancy. <laughs> yeah, James. <laughs> no, James, but it's we're getting great. hockey's yeah. at the end of the week. Let's go! Like we're we're back, boys. We're back. Yes, I know. It's, it's it's huge. James, we're getting close to um, training camp for for the NFL. Oh, dude, well, some right? teams have gone back already, man. Some there teams have started. Like they started doing the COVID testing recently, so that's really cool. Step one, but uh, I'm interested to see if they're going to go into the bubble or not. Because yeah. as we can see with MLB, I, I think the bubble might be the best choice for them. I, I think I think the bubble is 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 kind of what's going to make the NBA and the NHL kind of work. Oh, Eric, how, how you feeling about all this? What's going on? I'm good. Uh, also, there's a major golf tournament uh, in two weeks. You know, you know, I had to bring up golf right away in the intro. Um, and shouts. <laughs> Shouts out to Lou Will. Did you guys see those lemon pepper wings? Those things. Oh, those look fire, man. Erect. Straight erect. Uh, those crinkle cut fries, everything about it, yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited trading. Alex, two and two Dodgers after four games. How are you feeling? I mean, it's fine now. We got Joe Kelly throwing up dude's head, so we're good. <laughs> uh, Lou Will's a fucking idiot. I don't care if it's wings. You know, you stick up for your team. That's a that's a low move for a vet. Well, hey, don't give a fuck you know off golf. You know what? Um, negative you know, Nancy. I, I, you know what, <laughs> Alex? Why don't we Nancy. start? Dude, why don't we start with you? You know, I, I, was I, a, I Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it. my my uh, my list has gone through quite the different uh, different options this week. It was going to be talking about the NBA starting back up. Then I decided to switch into how much I just think golf is such a bullshit sport and it gets too much attention. But now um, we've got to go into the Dodgers Astros game that's going on right now. Um, I know we talked about it a couple podcasts earlier and I put myself out on a limb and said, I didn't think they were going to throw at him. I thought they'd be smart about it. Update. I was fucking wrong. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> wrong. I was very wrong. Shame. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is my bad. So we're in, we're, I mean, it so made a lot of sense. It yeah, did. I it did. You know what? I thought it was a. I thought it was a good take. Um, so for those, it's literally going on right now. But um, for those of you who are not watching or watching hockey or porn or I don't know whatever you're doing, <laughs> uh, Joe Kelly was throwing uh, in the sixth inning. Uh, he got the first Altuve out on first pitch. Then he was down three zero to Alex Bregman. And I was watching the game, and I was literally like, just hit him. He's already down 3-0. You're going to walk him. Just hit him. And he throws it 98, buzzes the top of his head. It did miss him. He ducked out of the way. Bregman turned and kind of gave him a little look, but it was also like a, oh, fuck. Like, that was 98 at my head. Which I don't <laughs> think we should have tried should be trying to hit people in the head. That's probably not the best idea in the world. Uh, get a couple more outs. Carlos Correa comes up, throws it behind his back again. Correa, like, ducks out of the way and then, like, looks out at Joe Kelly. He turns and spits, but towards the Dodgers' dugout. I thought that was a little, little cheeky. Uh, then he strikes out on a, on a slider down and away. Uh, it was definitely ball, so fuck you, Carlos Correa. And then it went to commercial break, and I'm, like, scrolling through Twitter. And I guess as Joe Kelly's walking off the mound, like, one of somebody in the Astros' dugout says something, and Joe Kelly literally just, like, sticks his tongue out at him. Like, what a childish move. Wow. But I'm kind of about it. And then the bench is cleared, but because there are all these protocols, they pretty much said, like, you cannot fight. Like, you have to distance. You know, all the coaches came out still with their masks on. The umpires had their masks on. Uh, Correa is yelling. I hear, I could see Kershaw in the background kind of, like, telling him, like, calm down, dude. He didn't even get hit. So, uh, what just – we were – I was obviously wrong. Um, I know, Eric, you were saying in the text thread that we need to be plunking him. So, 
are you pumped that they started throwing at people? Yeah. Yeah, I am actually. Um, you know, I mean, exhibition hockey's back and there's already been ratty, ratty maneuvers going on in those games. But when you texted that, yeah, it did, it did get my hopes up. Uh, Thor, what the hell? Yeah, seriously. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, no. Or the dog of thunder. You sending me that did get my hopes up and got me a little more excited for baseball just in that sense that, you know, things are starting to get a little chippy, a little cheeky. Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, it helps that the Dodgers, at least for me, the Dodgers are up five to two. Yes. Um, it's interesting too because Joe Kelly did not play for the Dodgers during that 2017 World Series, but he was on the Red Sox for the 2017 uh, Divisional Series when they lost to the Astros, and then again uh, in 2018. Even though the Red Sox did come out on top of that one, but 2017-2018 is when the Astros were cited for cheating. So I can understand why Joe Kelly, especially a dude who throws that hard, will just go for it. Um, Tyler, as a Dodgers fan, you can see that whole Dodgers flag over your right-hand shoulder there. Are you are you pumped? Uh, are you kind of wish they actually hit him? Because they didn't actually hit him. They just kind of threw near him. Yeah, I think it was a clear message. I mean, the count was 3-0. That ball was nowhere near the plate. Joe Kelly has a history of not being afraid to throw at guys and fighting. Joe Kelly Fight Club. like. If there's a guy yeah. to do it, Joe Kelly would probably be the guy to do it. So to me, that was a clear message. That was a trying to like, you know, retaliation for all the science ceiling stuff. But what I'm pumped about is that the Dodgers are up five to two. It's the eighth inning. AJ Pollock, single right field. So we're up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we're, we're winning and we're also giving, sending a message. Um, thankfully, it didn't go too far to where, you know, it's a full on brawl and people are getting hit in the head or anything like that. We, we don't, we don't want to see that, but. I'm glad there was still some fire in this Dodgers team about that. Even if it's Joe Kelly, a guy, like you said, was not on that 2017 Dodgers. But, dude, I guarantee you that's going through the entire clubhouse's head in this series. Like, they are thinking about that. They are pissed. They're playing on – their both teams are playing with a chip on their shoulder. It matters. Like, I don't care what people say. Like, oh, there was a quarantine between. There's COVID. There's, there's more things important. No, like, that shit that happened in 2017 matters, and it matters, and it's going through all their heads right now. I guarantee you. Is this game yeah. one of the series right now? What's that? Yeah, this is the first game of the series. They yeah. only play – they play again tomorrow. Um, the pitcher for the Dodgers tomorrow is a rookie, so he was definitely not a part of it. But he throws just as hard, if not harder, than Joe Kelly, so it should be interesting to see. I would imagine there won't be anything tomorrow um, just with this already going on tonight. Uh, there's kind of no need to push it and possibly get suspensions. Uh, Traden, as a hockey guy – Obviously, hockey is part of uh, fighting, or fighting is a part of hockey. Uh, it has, you know, come down quite a bit in recent years. Yep. What are your thoughts on fighting in other sports? Like, do oh, you dude. think, like, you're still about it because you're a hockey guy? No. You're just like, fuck it, throw down? Or no, is there nothing I, I, like compared I, to a hockey fight? I've said this. I, I've had conversations about this with, with my girlfriend and, and anybody else who asks about this question because it's a great question. Um, fighting in hockey has gone down, and it, I'm, I'm – I'm happy about it just because it kind of takes away from the, the game. But the real reason for fighting nowadays is to stick up for your teammates or to kind of change the, change the course of the game. And actually it's less so becoming that is mostly to, you know, back your team up, back your teammates up for, you know, a, a bad hit or something like that. And to me, it, it, that, you know, I see it in basketball all the time. I see, I see some stuff kind of, kind of happen and then they they end up just kind of slapping each other around and it kind of just it kind of and, and then and then they get you know technicals or whatever and i'm like no if you're gonna get a technical anyway just just fight just hit them just actually yeah, go, go. and and i think you know I, this might go into a little bit of you know a, the human side of things but I, I think you know i think i speak for a lot of men when i say sometimes you just need to fight and get it out of the way and everything kind of calms down from there and 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 I think that the NHL is actually going the wrong way sometimes in like in, in stopping that. Sometimes you just need to get it out. They need to just get it out. Give them, give them the penalty, give them the whatever, put them in the box. In, in baseball, they just let them, let them go. <laughs> just get it out of the way and it's done. You, you don't have to do it. Then, you, then, then if it happens again, you can punish them you know, after that. But in my mind, you just you go. You just get, them, get it out of the way, get the aggression out, and let bygones be bygones after that. 
imagine that in baseball like they're like all right let these two dudes go like they they both get out the dugout It'll never happen. bury each other down just fucking rave hard charge happen. each other like no bats uh, yeah, in my mind, bats, I'm like, I'm picturing bats. like the batter coming up and just like kind of tilting his head back to the catcher and like, all right, bro, want to go? Like they do in hockey, like fourth base <laughs> yeah. off, you know? Yeah. Just kind of turn like, you want to go? And then yeah. I just like everyone throws everything down and then it just all the fucking people yeah. like start streaming out. Yeah. yeah. One, of, um, one, of things, one of the things about baseball fights that I don't necessarily love is like how everybody from every part of the freaking stadium on the on the clubhouse like pours in, you know? Versus it's like. You know, if, if, if it's a pitcher that throws at a hitter and the hitter wants to go after the pitcher, like, let those guys go at it. Have the guys that are on the field already, like, deal with it. You know, have a few guys from, obviously, the, the batting team come up because they don't have as many guys on the field. But we don't need the bullpens coming in from both right. the outfield, like, you know, jogging in because they haven't warmed up all, all, all game. <laughs> you know, like, I, think, I think it's kind of dumb. And, it, and, like, even if it's just, like, if it's just talking, like, there's no actual fighting going on, like, bench is clear. I think it's a little silly, um, but I do like the fact that baseball kind of has that suspense of like fighting is not allowed, but it does happen fairly often. I think more so um, compared to some some other sports that where it's not allowed to happen, just because it's such a wide open field and they can just run away from the referees or the umpires if they if they need to, you know. What was the yeah, uh, for sure the fight the best one I saw of of recent years was the was it the Rangers uh, Blue Jays. Oh yeah, was like rounding first yeah. base and just fucking swings on the yeah. second baseman. Was I it? I believe it was uh, was it Rugnet Odor that punched Bautista in the face? Like got a yeah. really punch right in the face. Yeah, I was. I mean, he got him, dude. Yeah, that was after Bautista had the bat flip of the century against the Rangers the year before, and there was kind of retaliation against that. But yeah, yeah that was baseball, a really good one. Yeah, Why baseball is this such a players thing? hold a grudge for yeah. sure. Yeah, they do. Why is the bat flip a bad thing? Why do people hate that? You know, it's, it's like a, it's an old school thing. Uh, it's definitely changing now. Um, it, it was kind of like, you know, you hit a home run, you don't want to show up the pitcher, but now that it's kind of changing where it's like, nah, dude, I just hit a fucking bomb. Like I'm going to celebrate. It's, it's so weird. Like, you know what? Now people are like, okay, if you bat flip, it's kind of okay. But if you bat flip and stare at the pitcher, then they have issues. Interesting. I think MLB pitchers just are like a little too sensitive. Well. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, guys. I, I think there's a lot of purists in baseball, and I'm not. I, I hope I don't, you know, uh, you know, step on anyone's toes here. But you got to kind of let that kind of stuff go. I mean, the, the the whole the whole dynamic of of the personalities of these players and 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 the personality of the generation in general is just kind of changing, and it it, it brings some personality to these players. So a bat flip, I think is fucking hilarious. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw um, David Riddick do it, do a stick flip to us against the Oilers after a, after a shootout, um, uh, after a shootout game. And I was like, in my mind, I fucking hated it because I'm an Oilers fan, but I'm like, that's the kind of shit that, makes noise that, that yeah it's like telling a hockey guy up. not to have a not to have a fire celly after a single right, goal. right. Yeah. Uh, and then this i guess it goes to football like they can get kind of out of control with their celebrations <laughs> but if i think it's within reason i think you know it when you just kind Antonio of Brown. It, <laughs> that's, it, that's what i was going at i was also looking at the obj dog thing i don't know if you guys what about the whole that, team oh, just yeah, posing for a picture like they got a pick and they all run down yeah the yeah i mean I, it can get out of control then, but, but then baseball mutes it completely, you know, especially the purists. And it just kind of, you know, you just kind of got to let it go. I mean, kids, I'm not going to say kids will be kids. I just mean the younger generations are just bringing in this little bit more personality and it, it's what drives viewership for the millennial generation. As yeah. A whole, you know? Yeah. You, you've definitely seen, I think baseball as a whole embrace bat flips and celebrations more the last few years. I think those like, you know, old school baseball, players or that mindset's kind of starting to go away a little bit and players are allowed to have more fun bat flip you know i i think yeah that staring up staring down the pitcher is still a little bit of a dicey uh situation but i mean i think you see a lot of bat flips way more now than you did five years ago so um i i, I there's there, there's definitely way more tolerance to having fun after hitting an absolute piss missile off of someone than there was you know a, f a few years ago yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is, you know, go ahead and celebrate yourself doing a great job. But there's also gamesmanship and sportsmanship. Like, 
you know, they're all out there doing a job. They're trying to get paid. You know, this is their livelihood at the same time, like, but have fun. You know, we all, everyone else dicks around at work. I don't know why professional athletes can't. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I'm all about it. Um, I'm all about like celebrations in football. I think it's lame. They've like censored those, like fucking hide a cell phone under the pad on the field goal. Pick yeah. That thing up and call anybody. Go for it. <laughs> The football art, like NFL already has so many crazy personalities. Like you might as well just go for it. That's why football is so popular. Um, I think with baseball kind of growing up a little bit and not, you know, how trade was kind of saying, like with the younger generation, you know, baseball viewership is down. It's still the second most popular sport um, according to like TV ratings, but they're going down. So yeah, let, you know, like the commercial they had last year, like let the kids play, kind of let them, let them do them and, you know, let them show, show their personality, uh, which is why, fuck yeah, Joe Kelly, I might go buy your jersey when this podcast <laughs> is over because that was dope. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, do you guys have anything you want to add on Dodgers, Astros, hitting people, bat flips, anything else? It was else? like the one thing about baseball I was actually almost predicted to happen. Sweet. Well, yeah, I know we kind of we jumped in on that one super quick. Let's yeah, take a break, and when we come back, we'll be uh, we'll talk about the Tyler's MLB top five. Oh damn! Moments oh damn! And we're back. Oh shit! Tyler's got top five. Oh damn! Moments of the week. Yo, what do we got, Tyler? All right, guys. Baseball is back. We didn't even have a full week. But still, a lot of stuff happened. When I was typing out like what my type, top five was, I was just typing out things I was thinking of. I had like 12 on the list. So I really had to narrow this thing down to five. Have they um, changed in the last three days before I... You know, a like, little bit. I mean, things are changing <laughs> so quickly. This is a fucking weird, crazy season. Um, I'm not going to add anything that happened today with the Dodgers Astros since we just talked about that. But that probably would have been in. But we'll skip that one for now. Um, so coming in at number five, Angels fans are going to love this one. Shohei Otani roughed up in his 2020 season debut. Uh, this was his God. first start since September 2nd, 2018. The man, the myth, the legend, Showtime. Everyone's excited for him to come back and pitch for the first time in a year and a half. And he faces six batters. He gives up three singles. He walks three. He gives up five runs. What a bitch. His fastball <laughs> velocity was only He's 90. Still better than you. Duh. <laughs> That's one of this podcast. I'm not on the field. Uh, <laughs> fastball velocity was at 92.9 compared to la- in 2018. It was 96.7. Uh, he, his high was 94. So obviously uh, his, his VLO was an issue. Um, but that was a, oh, damn, like Shohei's a little bit rusty. You know, hopefully it's only the, the, the first Definitely rusty. season. Um, James, I know you're, you're a big Shohei guy. You traded for him to Alex in your fantasy baseball league. Like what was oh going on in your head? I hear about this all, all the time. Like, Oh, my God. So you brought it up yourself. But you got to remember that he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. He hasn't pitched in a year and a half. Like, what did you – you expected him to get through, like, three or four innings? That's what I, I expected, expected him to get at least one out. Yeah, I expected him to get an out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough day, man. It's like you can't be perfect. People have bad days, and his bad day happened to be on his first start. It's tough. It is what it is. I'm really hoping he's going to bounce back. But, like, just watching him right now and his batting, like, he's, he's terrible with batting, too. Yeah, so I think he's an amazing slump all the way around. Yeah, yep. So I'm just hoping that something changes, something clicks. Because right now, it's I've made a huge mistake in trading for him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Just getting back into the around. swing of things, boys. Yeah, wow. his uh, average score on fantasy is minus six. Oof. Oh, yeah. yeah. His average is, is negative. Hate to see it. <clears throat> all right. I don't. I think it's funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming in at number four, a uh, couple of pitchers, some, some inspiring uh, pitching moments. Uh, the first one, uh, Daniel Bard. I don't know if you guys have heard this story. Uh, he's a pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he pitched one and a third scores innings and got the win against the, against the uh, Texas Rangers. Um, this was his first pitching appearance in the big league since 2013. Um, so he was a first-round pick by the Red Sox in 2006, made his big league debut in 2009. Um, really good pitcher. like. Upper 90s, could, could, could touch 100, was pretty good for a few seasons. But around 2012, he started to lose it. He just got the yips. 
he just could not control any of his pitches. And then by the, by the, by the next season, he was cut. And uh, he tried to play for several Cubs up until 2017. Um, last season, he was uh, Arizona Diamondbacks mental skills coach. So he, so he wasn't even playing baseball last season. Um, and this season, he, he decided to, to, to go for it one more time. He made the club with the Rockies. Uh, he came back and got, got the win in his first appearance in mm-hmm. almost a decade. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And, 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 his, and just a quote from him, um, the difference for me is going back to when I was struggling. You get that feeling, the butterflies, the adrenaline, the heart racing, and it would contribute to all the bad things. It would cause anxiety and basically take away my ability to focus. When your perspective is different, you lose all those feelings and you're all, and, and, and you're like, all right, it's game time. This is what I'm meant to do. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty amazing adjustment from a guy that completely lost his stuff. And I mean, never give up, right? I mean, this guy's pitching now in, in the big leagues and doing very well. So that's super awesome for Daniel Bard. I, I, I hope he, he keeps it going. The, the second pitcher with, a, with an amazing comeback story, Carlos Carrasco, who last season was battling leukemia. And uh, this was, it, he made his first start in 423 days on Sunday. Uh, he pitched six innings, gave it two runs, five hits, only one walk, and 10 punch outs, boys, in a 9-2 win over the Royals. Uh, so that was his first start since uh, being diagnosed with cancer last season. So that's amazing to see a guy battle back from that come back and just absolutely dominate. And I mean, if Carlos, I mean, before he went down with the, the cancer issue, I mean, he was one of the best pitchers, pitchers on that staff. And since then they got these guys, uh, Bieber and uh, Clevenger back. If Carrasco can be back to his former self, that's a deadly one, two, three punch that the Indians have. Alex, you, you picked them to win that division. I think if Carrasco can pitch like he did on Sunday, that's a deadly rotation. Yeah, dude, the Indians are nasty. Um, good for Carrasco. Uh, the Daniel Bard story is crazy, too. Um, you know, guys like Rick Ankeel and others, they have to reinvent themselves as position players. Um, majority of the guys that are pitchers that end up getting the yips, they never make it back. Uh, the fact that he was the mental skills coach and he was had the yips, I think that's, like, the most ironic thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and good, yeah, that's a great story. Um, you know, it'll, we'll see how it goes when he has to pitch in Colorado. Um, but great start uh, for him. Um, you know, Carrasco, good on you. Uh, yeah, the Indians look nasty. It's, it's a good story for those two guys for sure. Nice. All right, coming in at number three, uh, MLB announced their new expanded postseason format. Um, this is an interesting one. So this will just be for now for the 2020 season. Uh, so here's what, here's what has changed. So the top two teams from each division will make the postseason, plus the next two teams with the best record. So Eric, listen up because I, I know you're bad at math. That's eight teams from <laughs> each league, 16 total teams. So basically like, you know, hockey and, and basketball, 16 teams seated, seated one through eight. Uh, round one is going to be a best of three series. All three games are going to be played at the higher seated team stadium. Um, round two will basically be like a regular to the vision series. So a best of five. And then from there, it's like a LCS best of seven world series, best of seven. Um, so basically it's just ex- expanding the amount of teams that are in um, MLB has been talking about an expanded postseason for a while. Um, yeah. As a, you know, I'm a little bit iffy on this particular um, way to do it. However, with this particular season and being short, I kind of understand it. Um, However, I'm not really a fan of it going forward for long term at the moment. I am, Alex, what do you think about this whole thing? Yeah, I'm for this season, like, fuck it. Just let them do whatever they want. Try all these crazy things. Um, you know, the runner on second, we've already seen a bunch of games go into extras and then, um, you know, they win it. Like the Royals won a game and they didn't even get a hit in extras, but they won. Um, you know, I think for this season, it's fine. If they want to look into it for future seasons, I'm okay with that. I'm not a huge fan of the three-day or three-game first-round play-in because, for instance, like the Indians we were talking about, you want to face Bieber, Clevenger, and Carrasco in a three-game series? That's nasty. Um, You know, if they do something like this in the future, I think 
they need to cut back on how many regular season games there are. Um, that's just too many games. The 162 is already a lot, um, you know, especially for the pitchers. So I'm okay with it for now. We'll see how it goes. I kind of liked this one we had before um, with the wild card teams. I loved that one one game plan. I thought it made the incentive of winning your division just so much higher. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Trading, you were just nodding your head about shortening the season. Yeah. Um, well, here you, you guys better buckle up because um, this playoffs this playoffs is going to happen every is going to happen forever. Playoffs make money. That's where they. That's where all these teams make the most money. And <laughs> that if if it works out this season and everybody kind of is like, okay, it works. It's not going away, guys. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I could be totally wrong. I'm totally off base. No, no pun intended. But um, I, I mean, if if it makes more money they're going to get them to the playoffs, get more teams to the playoffs. Um, I, that's just my, that's just my theory. Um, and I could be, again, totally wrong, but that's just my thought. Yeah, that's a good point there. Trading. Um, all right. Coming in at number two, Mookie bet signing a 12 year extension with the Dodgers. Oh, damn. 12 years, $365 million. This is the second largest in history behind Mike Trout. Um, for me, this is the size and the number of the contract is surprising given the COVID impact on, on baseball right now. Um, and the fact that Betts chose the Dodgers um, with no real footing in, in, in Los Angeles, only six weeks with his, with his new teammates, with, with a quarantine in between those six weeks. Um, and he did not even test the free agent market um, is pretty amazing to me. Um, I, I think that speaks volume to how much he trusts the Dodgers, um, or the Dodgers team going long term. I mean, signing a contract. I mean, he could have easily just been like, all right, I'm going to try out the Dodgers for this two months. I'm going to be a free agent. I'm going to see what other teams have to offer, see if I can get better deals, see if I like other teams' plans. But he didn't even go that route. He just he was here. He was, he was in L.A. Uh, just, uh, just a quote from him. said He said, I, I love being here. I love everything about here. I'm here to win some rings. Um, I mean, obviously, as a Dodger fan, I love this signing. I think if there's anyone you're going to give a 12-year, $365 million deal to, Mookie Betts, probably one of those, you know, one of three guys that I would want to give that money to. Um, so I was just so surprised with the timing of it. Alex, were you surprised by the, the timing of this or what? Uh, a little bit. Um, I think a part of it is because of Corona. Um, if it wasn't for that, he probably would have tested the free agent market. But with teams losing so much revenue with no fans, less or, you know, less games, um, you know, he pretty much said, like, in his press conference, you know, this is something I've been working for my entire life, um, you know, with this money and, you know, endorsements and commercials and all that other crap. He's set up for life. His grandchildren will be set up for life. Um, as, a, as a Dodgers fan, yeah, you know, other than Mike Trout, Mookie Betts is probably the – most complete player in the game so yeah give him the money um especially with the way that the dodgers um financial situation is looking like in the future um but after 2023 they had literally zero money on the payroll until now which is crazy with yeah. how good they've been and they have like no long-term contracts um so yeah if there's anyone to give it to uh it's mookie for sure and now i think you know for baseball, it's also got to be great. So for the next decade, we got Mike Trout and Mookie Betts both playing a huge market in Los Angeles. Um, that's just got to be a good thing for the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a great signing for the Dodgers. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully he's that missing ingredient the Dodgers need to win some rings. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, number one, oh, damn moment. Probably the biggest one. Um, 17 Marlins players and coaches test positive for COVID. Um, this whole kind of came down the last couple of days. It's been an absolute shit show and firestorm going on with uh, baseball right now. Uh, the Marlins all tested positive while they're in the road in Philadelphia. Uh, so the Marlins home series have been against the Orioles have been postponed. They've actually been, uh, all their games have been canceled until Monday. So pretty much a full week without playing. Uh, the Yankees and Phillies were postponed. The Yankees are now playing Baltimore instead of they, they were going to be playing Philly at home, I believe. So now they're going to be playing in Baltimore. So just crazy schedule changes. As of 
right now, as of, I don't know, what, 9, 10 p.m. on uh, Tuesday, uh, no Phillies players have, have tested positive for COVID. So that's good news. Uh, it's mostly just that right, Marlins, uh, Mar the Marlins clubhouse. But this is pretty crazy. I mean, this is one of the kind of nightmare scenarios for baseball with this whole, with playing a, playing a season with this whole pandemic going on. Um, it brings up a lot of questions. I mean, does this put the season in jeopardy? Will these games be made up? Um, if they're not made up, how are they going to, you know, contribute to standings? Because, I mean, a team that's, you know, one game out of that second place spot and, and, and should, have, should have played three more games but because they were canceled because of, you know, uh, COVID stuff, how does that factor in? And then are more players going to opt out because of this? Because there's a lot of un, uneasy feelings about it. James, like, what's your thought? when you saw all this COVID positive tests uh, rolling from the Marlins? I was scared because I don't want baseball to be canceled. I don't want any sports to be canceled right now. So whenever that news broke, I was definitely scared that, hey, they're going to cancel the season. It's going to be over. They're going to suspend it. But then Rob Madford comes out and is like, oh, I'm not afraid of this at all. Like, we're testing all the procedures. Like, this is probably good. This is probably a good thing. Like, we'll see how good our systems actually are. And, I mean, that different perspective changes everything. But that was on – that was yesterday, and more players got tested positive in the meantime. Uh, the biggest positive out of this is the fact that nobody else but the Marlins are really getting tested positive right now. That's huge. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think one way that you can – you brought up standings and playoff position, and if, you, if teams play less games, I think one way they, they can determine the seeding of it is by looking at winning percentage. Right. Just take yeah. their wins and losses. So, I mean, like, it, the games they played may not line up, but the percentage will be relative to that. That's what they did in the NHL. Yeah, that's kind of one of the things they're talking about. I mean, there's a pretty re realistic uh, possibility that there's going to be a, uh, a different amount of games played just because of all this COVID stuff going on. So if there is those, you know, teams that are really close, it's going to be determined by winning percentage, like you said, James. Um, but still, it's pretty crazy. Um, so we're kind of – it doesn't seem like baseball is in a point to where it's going to shut down, but – for me, like, yeah, I mean, I don't like the direction it was heading this morning, you know, uh, watching the, the news on it kind of gave me flashbacks to when all of sports got shut down back in March, just kind of with these rising in COVID numbers. So hopefully it can contain it to just the Marlins clubhouse. Hopefully they got it under control. We're really going to see if these policies that MLB put in place have worked. Um, they're obviously not doing the bubble um, like the NHL and the NBA are. I think realistically with baseball, that probably wouldn't have worked. So they, they, I think they kind of have to do it the way that they're doing it. Um, so hopefully it all works out. Um, so those are my top five O'Dam moments. Just a few honorable mentions. Um, Carlos Stanton opening up the 2020 season with an absolute boom shot um, was amazing. I forgot how amazing it is to watch the guy hit home runs. It's just incredible. Uh, Fulton Nevich of the Atlanta Braves was designated for assignment before the game even ended after his rough start the, the other day. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, he, he had a really rough season last year. He had one really bad start in Tampa Bay and he, and he gone boys. He's, he's no longer in at, at, at Atlanta brave. So that's pretty crazy. Um, also both of my picks to win the wild card started out one and three. So <laughs> that's solid. The Reds and Diamondbacks one and three. That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. Hopefully the MLB is going to continue playing. Uh, I think I, I think I speak for all of us when I say that. So, all right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, James is going to take us to the NFC North. And we're back. James, take us to the NFC North. All right, guys, let's talk football. Today we're going to tackle the NFC North. See what I did there? Tackle. Um, so the NFC North has two playoff caliber teams. So they theoretically should be a very competitive division. But let's dive into that. We're going to start with the Detroit Lions. Last year they were 3-12-1. Pretty terrible. Didn't do much. Doo-doo, exactly. <laughs> They're definitely uh, not one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Their biggest weakness was a cornerback and an edge rusher. So what do they do? They traded where their best cornerback to the Eagles. Does that make sense? Absolutely not. 
<laughs> Additionally to that, they they definitely they traded away or they lost a bunch of their own linemen and a bunch of their starting defensive guys. So they went to the draft and picked up Jeff Okuda from the from Ohio State, one of the best cornerbacks in the draft. And they also picked up DeAndre Swift, a running back from Georgia. Uh, they did make a lot of changes to their defense. Uh, like notable ones are Desmond Trufant from the Falcons, um, Jamie Collins, a linebacker from the Pats, and for the O line they signed. I'm going to mess this up. Hala Pulvati, Vitae, from the Eagles. Yep. Tyler's a big fan. <laughs> um, I predict that they're going to go 8-8 eight and eight this season, so a lot better. Wow. Uh, you guys have to remember that Matt Stafford was injured for the majority of that season, and they also – they retooled their entire defense. There's, like, three starters that are exactly the same. Um, yep. They got Jeff Okuda in lockdown corner. They got Desmond Trufant from the Falcons, also lockdown corner. Um, their safety position got a lot better. The linebacking position got a lot better. They still have one of the best defensive lines of football, and their O line has always been top out. Um, in addition to that, you still have three amazing wide receivers and Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amdola at the slot. Um, so we'll see about that. What do you, well, Trayton, what do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, it seems like their defense was retooled, um, like you mentioned. And, and, and I think I see here that um, Nick Shook from the an NFL writer um, using his next gen stats is ranked the O line ninth in the league. That definitely helps. Um, you know, if you're in the top, if you're if you're in the top tier, or at least in the top half, you're 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 trending in the right direction. Anybody else got any predictions for this? I have him going seven and nine. Um, I think Matt Stafford is always one of those quarterbacks who kind of gets overlooked. Um, he throws a lot. I like the Swift pickup in the draft. Um, I think he'll be. Uh, Low-key, him and uh, uh, Johnson will be a nice little tandem back there uh, in the backfield for the Lions. Yeah, I got him going seven and nine. Um, I just, I don't know. I think those two teams at the top of that division are going to go. It'd just be a little too tough. I don't know if eight and eight. I don't know if they can get there. Eric, didn't they have some record last year? They had like the most games where they were leading to start the fourth quarter that they blew away. Yeah, I I probably would bet that, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) but – so I think it's that trend is going to continue. They're just they're not going to be good. They're going to be seven and nine, like Alex is saying. But I did have Jones Jr. for fantasy last year. He was like my only receiver that did shit for me. Uh, and then I did pick up Amendola just because I was scrap scrapping for guys uh, on the waiver waiver wires. But yeah, fantasy wise, you know those two guys didn't do much for me. Jones Jr. did, but Amendola was trash. Fantasy wise, like you brought up, Matt Stafford, he's being drafted at 127, it's QB number 13. Um, in his eight starts, the Lions offered uh, Lions offense scored 21 touchdowns, so that's really, really good. And he pretty much finished all of his starts as a top 10 fantasy QB. Right now, he's being drafted before Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Eric, in your top 10, you have both Cam Newton and Daniel Jones, but not Matthew Stafford. Can you make an argument I for had, why? I had fucking Stafford the first year I ever did fantasy football. He fucking trashed my team away. I think he threw five picks his first game. And I started him over, I believe, Cam Newton that year. Cam Newton was my backup, and Cam Newton went off. He had like 48 points. So that's that's my reasoning right there. Just a one-game hold a grudge for the rest of my life wow. type of thing. Very anecdotal, mm-hmm. just like Eric. Um, <laughs> Alex, DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson are being drafted about 30 positions apart uh, DeAndre Swift's at 70 and Kerryon Johnson's at 103 I don't know who the lead back in Detroit is going to be Kerryon Johnson's had that load for last year but he got injured but do you think DeAndre Swift's going to be the guy I don't I think there's going to be a it's going to be a really 50-50 split between the two of them. I think they want to give Johnson the shot, but they can't trust he's going to be healthy. Um, as, you know, a fantasy owner, I'm probably going to shy away from drafting either one of them and just hope one of them, you know, falls to the waiver wire and kind of see what they're doing after a couple of weeks. Um, it might be, you know, you just have to pick one and hope that they're the one that, you know, runs one into the end zone. Um, I... It'll probably be Johnson to start just because he's been in the league. So I would, I would maybe draft him, you know, one of my later picks as like kind of a backup running back. Um, but I'm not, I'm not super hyped on either one of them. Moving on to wide receivers, you have Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. As Eric mentioned, Marvin Jones Jr. had a hell of a year last year. Uh, this year, though, he's going to, at 
96, while Kenny Galladay is going at 28. Looking at the stats all the way through, they pretty much have the same target share. But Kenny Galladay is being drafted a hell of a lot sooner than Marvin Jones. Why, Eric, why do you think that? Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. My bad, dude. I just saw this highlight of Hoskinen uh, <laughs> just taking a straight puck to the head, dude. So, yeah, yeah really. good stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go to the Bears now. Bears, pay attention. I'm ask all the questions. <laughs> Wait, we're just going to glance over the fact that Kenny Galladay had 11 touchdowns and he lead the NFL. I don't know, did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Fact checker. There you go. That's <laughs> there it is. Folks. Fact checkers. Big, big fat guy over there. Chicago Bears. Last year they were eight and eight. They coached by Matt Nagy in his second year of coaching. They're horrendous on offense. They're ranked number 29 to 32. Their defense is the only thing that kept them afloat. They did lose a ton of guys from that defense, though. They lost Prince of Mukamara, Ha Clinton Dix, and Leonard Floyd. So they went to the draft and they drafted a tight end. Why would they draft a tight end in the second round? I don't know. They also got Jalen Johnson, a quarterback, in the back end of that second round. Um, going to free agency, they got Jimmy Graham, super old, doesn't really do much nowadays. I don't know why you'd give him 16 mil, but they did. Uh, they also got Robert Quinn from the Cowboys, which is a big signing, and they traded for Nick Foles. My predict- prediction for this upcoming season is they go 5-11. and 11. They took a huge step back just because they got worse overall. Um, Nick Foles needs to perform admirably. He's going to take that starting job. Trubisky's going to be out of the job. There's, there's no he plays another season in the NFL. Um, they do have a subpar offensive line, and a real weapon is Allen Robinson, the wide receiver. He had seven touchdowns with 1,147 yards last year. Dropped him on fantasy. Yep, that's your fault. The thing is, when defenses start to figure out that's the only thing that's going for them, they're going to shut him down, and once he gets shut down, so does the offense. Jaden, what do you think the record is going to be next season? I mean, I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> uh, five and eleven, I think is is almost uh, generous. Uh, I, you know, when I, I see that their their offensive line is ranked twenty fifth, or their offense is ranked twenty fifth, and their average time to pressure was two point three seven seconds. That's like terrible. I mean, how does that help a quarterback throw a football? <laughs> it doesn't. Tyler, what do you think their record is going to be? Yeah, I'm I'm seeing it in that four to six range. Like you said, they've just taken a step back. Um, this team just really doesn't seem to be going in the right direction right now. Just no depth. Like you said, lost a ton of weapons on defense. Like, I don't really see it being a really good season for the Bears. The Bears are officially at and, the bottom. And, and their, their starting quarterback has not even played, like, a full season, a full 16 games in his career. So. Some of those. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this year will be the year. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> going into fantasy, Mitch Trubisky is what people think is going to be a starter in day one. He's currently going undrafted, to nobody's surprise. But the funny thing is, is Colin Kaepernick, who doesn't have a team right now, and Eli Manning, who is retired, is being drafted nine spots ahead of him. It will disrespect him that much. Looking at the uh, running backs here, you have a two-headed monster in David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. David Montgomery is going at 80, while Tariq Cohen is going at 91. Um, they pretty much had the same amount of fantasy points last season. Um, but if you were to pick one, which one would you pick? Trade. Um, I kind of have to go with um, Tariq Cohen. I, he's more of a receiving running back and with no offensive line to really help you. At least you have enough time to get the ball up quick. So I think Tariq Cohen, if I had to pick someone, would be – he'd be my guy. But that's, that's – I mean, I, Montgomery did have more touchdowns, so – but I guess you said fantasy points were pretty equal. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Tariq Cohen's one of the elusive backs in the league. His receiving work is going to give him that boost in terms of fantasy, in my opinion. Alex, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I don't really want either of them. Um, <laughs> if I had to, I would pick Cohen. Two running backs um, in a row, huh? Yeah. I'm, I mean, dude, I'm not interested in any offensive player on the Chicago Bears. That's what it's come down to. I'm not drafting a Chicago Bear unless it's the defense. Um, I don't – Nick Foles can't play unless he's in Philly. Trubisky's a joke. Uh, Got to feel bad if you're the Bears because you could have had Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> or Deshaun Robinson. Watson. Yeah, or Deshaun Watson. Uh, Allen Robinson's the only guy I would consider, but I don't trust either one of those quarterbacks to be efficient enough to make him you know, like maybe a flex just because I don't have enough faith in him. Allen Robinson's going at 36 right now. He's one wide receiver 13. In my opinion, that's way too high. 
like you said. Yeah, it sounds he's like being it. drafted before OBJ and Cortland Sutton. Um, he's not going to be as productive. Teams are going to shut him down. That's that's my take on it, and I think that's going to be true all the way around. And uh, defense right now is the seventh ranked fantasy defense. They went at 134. I still don't know if I draft a defense. I think I'm just going to let him let it sit until the draft is over and pick it up after the fact. Uh, but if I was going to pick a defense, I think the Bears will definitely be up there just because Khalil Mack is still going to get those sacks. Moving on to the Vikings. Last year, they were 10-6, and six, and they lost to the 49ers in the divisional playoffs, 10-27. to 27. <laughs> uh, Overall, like, statistically, they're pretty good. They're top 10 in offense and top 5 in defense. Um, their biggest weakness, in my opinion, was a cornerback play and offensive line. Um, cornerback-wise, like Xavier Rhodes, our best cornerback, allowed 84% of passes to be completed when targeted. Um, that's definitely their weakest point. And Xavier Rhodes is actually gone now. Um, they lost Xavier Rhodes. They lost a lot of guys in their defense. Everson Griffin's gone. Linval Joseph's gone. Trey Wayne's the other cornerback, is with the Bengals. And Stephon Diggs is with the Bills. They drafted Justin Jefferson, who's a decent wide receiver in the first round. He's good, but he's not going to play Stephon Diggs. He's a slot corner uh, wide receiver. Same position as Adam Thielen. I, they need they need to go. Um, they also have Jeff Gladney. Uh, they signed Michael Pierce from the Ravens. That was their big free agent signing, but he literally just opted out today because he has the uh, upper respiratory issues. So they uh, essentially they added nobody. My prediction is they go nine and seven. They take a little step back, but because they lost a lot of stars on, during this offseason and the Cook holdout is a big thing that's looming over their heads. Will he play? That that's going to be huge. Tyler, what do you think the Vikings are going to do next year? Yeah, I, I think they're still going to be competitive. I think that offense still has some, some good firepower, but you know, I don't. I just think that they're going to be second tier in this division. I think they'll battle. They'll battle for a wild card spot. I see them finishing around you know nine or ten wins in the season. Um, it's not going to. They're, they they've been one of the best teams in the in the NFC the last few years. I, I think they'll still be there with the experience that they have, um, but it's going to be more of a struggle this season for them. Alex, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I had him at nine and seven. Um, Kirk Cousins, you know, you got to trust him a little bit more than you would think. Like he's, you know, he's not flashy. He's not going to, you know, explode off the page fantasy wise, but he's always going to get you, you know, your 15 to 15 to 20 points. Um, if Cook holds out, I, I don't know. They're screwed. Um, he was probably their best offensive player last year. Um, I'm a big Adam Thielen guy. Um, I'll probably be trying to t- target him in the in fantasy drafts. Um, I go, yeah, nine and seven. I still think that uh, that green team up there in Wisconsin is probably gonna probably gonna be a little bit better. Uh, so you're Kirk telling, right you're telling me that they got rid of all their defense and that you trust Kirk Cousins after two years of him blowing it. Do you think he's gonna do good this year, dude? Kirk Cousins is solid. Trubisky. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk I think he's gonna. I think him and Trubisky will probably about, be about the same this year. Wow, dude, that, that actually that, that's a hot that's take. Bad. I mean, I mean, Kirk Cousins has had a ninety-six point eight passing rating in his career. He right? doesn't have Dalvin like Alex is saying. And, he's gonna be oh, shit. Oh, and by the way, he only he only lets or he he's a two point one eight touchdowns per interception. I mean, that's better than like that's that's double um, Trubisky and. Um, Foles, so no, sorry, buddy. I, I don't think you're wrong on that one. <laughs> Only the future will tell. Only the future will tell. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback as a whole, but fantasy wise, not so much. Uh, he's going one nine or one sixty-seven QB twenty-three right now. He's projected for about two hundred thirty points. Uh, last year, he finished his QB fifteen. If Dalvin Cook does hold out, he's gonna have to pass more. And he's, as Trade mentioned, he's really good at not making mistakes. So if he passes more, Thielen's gonna get that work. Feeling right now is going 30. I think they're going low on him. I think uh, Alex is right. I think they're gonna he's gonna shoot up the boards, especially if Cook holds out. Dalvin Cook right now is going as halfback or running back five, ADP number six. I think he can make a case for uh, a top three right running back. I mean CMC, Saquon, and Ezekiel Elliott. But if he stays healthy, the the offense runs through Dalvin Cook. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Chicago, or the not Chicago Bears, but the Green Bay Packers. Last year they went 13 and three, and they lost the conference championship to the Niners once again because the Niners are a better team, 20 to 37. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> um, <laughs> their biggest 
weakness going into the offseason was they needed another wide receiver to complement Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league, but he can't do it all. They lost Blake Martinez, a linebacker, Brian Bulaga, uh, their tackle. So they went in and they made some weird draft picks in the draft. They picked Jordan Love up, a quarterback. Like, why do you need a quarterback when Aaron Rodgers sells four more years on his deal? That doesn't make sense to me. And they also picked up A.J. Dillon, a running back. And again, like Aaron Jones, the hell of running back. Why do they get him with the running back in the draft? Where do you guys think so? Uh, yeah, I have the Packers. I have them going 12 and four. Um, you know, with they drafted Rodgers and he sat on the bench for four years after Brett uh, Favre was still playing. So, you know, you never know. Um, he is 36, but, you know, we have seen, um, you know, Brady and Manning and Breeze play, Philip Rivers play well into their late 30s, early 40s. So there's no reason to assume Aaron Rodgers is going to go off, off the hill. Um, I think usually the Packers have the best offense in this division, um, especially with Jones is going to play, Devontae Adams. Um, I don't think they'll really be that get much struggle from those other three teams. I think they should win this division pretty easily. Yeah. I agree. I'd have him go with 10 and 6. Tyler, where'd you go? Yeah, I, I got him at uh, 11 and 5. Wow. Traden? Uh, I, I, I see 12 and, 12 and 4. And Eric? I see 11 and 5, and I see they win a division. I got to go with my boy Aaron Rodgers, hometown Chico. So, Alex and Tyler, you got to have some love from there. Yeah. Gotta All love, right. Got to love Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And he was the first uh, sports team that I saw win there, win a championship in Chico that wasn't from NorCal. So it was perfect. So that's uh, the icing on the cake for me. Aaron Rodgers, Packers win the division. Aaron Rodgers in fantasy is going at 108, QB number 12. He's, you, Eric is the only person that had him in his top 10. Eric, would you drop, draft him as a top 10 QB, even though he's going as quarterback number 12 right now? Yeah, that's two off. That's, uh, that's not a lot. <laughs> okay. And then Aaron Jones. He won me a lot of games last year. I don't know how you guys let me have CMC, Aaron Jones, and Delvin Cook in fantasy. Huge mistake. In oh, you guys no sport. wonder you won. Yeah. Uh, he's going as a running back seven, ADP 14. I think he's going to have some major aggression this year. He had a lot of points, but he had 19 total touchdowns last year. There's no way he can replicate yeah. that, especially now with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon's like a Derrick Henry. He's going to bolster that goal line work and he's going to take some of that touchdowns. So I think Aaron Jones is going a little too high. I can, I can see him going at 20, 22, that mm. area, but not 14. And then lastly, Devontae Adams is going at 10 as wide receiver three, and I think that fits him perfectly. He's an elite wide receiver. He does have some durability issues, but with Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, and Devontae Adams, they're gonna, he's going to be up there. Thank you, James. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Eric, you're going to take us through the amazing culture of the breakfast burrito. Breakfast burrito is something special to me, so I'm excited for this one. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, we're gonna Eric's gonna take us through the, the culture of the breakfast burrito, and I'm super excited about this one. So Eric, take it away, man. Guys, everyone, sports are back, and that's why I'm gonna talk about food once again. Uh, <laughs> This week, breakfast burritos. So like, like I always do, I want to get into the history behind it. Most believe the breakfast burrito started in the 1970s in New Mexico. That's because it was popular to eat your eggs and potatoes alongside a flour tortilla instead of toast. Hmm. Hmm, exactly. Others say <laughs> later on in Sonora, Mexico, that breakfast burritos were the kitchen sink mentality Basically throwing your leftovers from the night before into flour tortillas with your morning eggs. I like that. Uh, but here's a myth that I kind of noticed researching this whole New Mexico starting the breakfast burrito was that the owner of this restaurant uh, called Tia Sofia's claims that a breakfast burrito is any style of burrito you have for breakfast. That is way too general. That doesn't tackle that you're, you're the guy who started breakfast burritos. That's like saying, a deli sandwich is any style of sandwich you have for lunch from a deli. You know, it's, it's too general. And I am seeing that I didn't buy it, but from heaping mounds, potatoes to loads of chorizo and your breakfast burritos, 
they were once rumored to be started in L.A., the City of Angels, which we always talk about. In 1960, it was first brought up in the L.A. Times newspaper. So therefore, it was started in L.A., not New Mexico. Facts come here first. Facts over myths. Facts over fiction. Um, so things to expect in your breakfast burritos. There's a lots, of, lots of variety, but especially in California, usually you got your eggs. They're scrambled. Uh, they actually can be over easy as well, which is kind of weird. That's that happened to me before, but more of a scramble guy. Cheese, of course, usually cheddar, pepper jack. Um, potatoes of all various styles. You got the country potatoes. You got the hash browns, etc. cetera. Uh, various meats, carne asada, chorizo, ham, bacon, sausage. Um, and, of course, the California spin. You get avocados involved with it. I know James is a huge avocado hater which doesn't make sense not a yeah yeah you're a fucking psycho uh there's various <laughs> salsas. <laughs> there's various salsas um there's verde roja you know there's chipotle sauces um d if you're Big listening you need salsa in your burrito and you need sauce on your sandwich and if you don't do that you're also a psycho so d i know you're listening you're a psycho i'm calling you out uh, and if there's sour cream, uh, sour cream is okay in it. I think I get a little picky with it. Like you see on those videos, the guys do it in the zigzag fashion. I like that rather than just throwing globs of it in like Chipotle does. Um, if you do do that, then I want to see you mix it around when you roll it up because if not, you're just going to be biting into pockets of cold sour cream. That's a big no, no. Uh, James, what are some things you like to look at in your breakfast burritos? I like to make sure that there's an equal proportion of everything. Like sometimes breakfast burritos have too much potatoes in it and it kind of dries yeah. it out. Not a fan of that. But if there's a good amount, like I like sausage and bacon in my breakfast burritos. And then you need to have more bacon than sausage because bacon is smaller than sausages. So you got to have more bacon, less sausage, some eggs, some sour cream, and like a decent amount of potatoes, but not too much to make it too big. And you got to fit it all into one, one wrap. But you also have the, the sauce on the side. Oh, you can't eat a breakfast without sauce. There's no way. Big sauce guy. Yeah, there's also various, you know, tortillas. There's like the spinach tortillas, the spicier ones. They can get toasted as well. It's kind of like getting into that In-N-Out secret menu category where you can start, you know, changing things up. Trayden, I've seen you eat two giant Troy's breakfast one sitting before. I want to hear your take. While shotgunning a beer. Yeah, so, so... Okay, so the Beckham's burrito is very special to me. I think I think it's brought me and James closer. Um, it's kind of why he's my best friend because we just like, bond around breakfast burritos. Um, I, honestly, I'll eat any breakfast burrito. <laughs> Anything that, that it has eggs and some kind of meat and some kind of cheese and, and uh, oh, don't forget the sauce, the potatoes, is I'll, I'll eat it. Um, and I'll eat two because they're, they're just so delicious. They, they bring a smile to my face and they're, they're a great start to a morning. They're very heavy. Um, I <laughs> the first first week of football was not very fun. I downed <laughs> two big ass burritos while try, while chugging a beer, and I pretty much was done for the rest of the day. And I think that was at like nine One. You fell asleep for the second round of games. Yeah, I mean, I usually do that anyway, but <laughs> I was I was literally out. So um, breakfast burritos are. I mean, I, I, I'm not not picky, so I'll have anyway, any shape or form, just. Bring me one, and you'll be a good friend of mine. Alex, are you a big breakfast guy? Uh, I don't eat breakfast during the week, but love me some breakfast burritos. Um, I've gotten into hot sauce lately, so I want a little bit of heat on my breakfast burrito. Um, I'm not – I fuck sour cream. I will not eat it if sour cream's in there. (laughs) Fuck that shit. I I can take her to leave it with the avocado. Um, Big fan of the toasted – toasted or like grilled tortilla or um i'll go i'll go straight knife and fork and get it uh get it wet with sauce all over it um big sauce big sauce guy for a a breakfast burrito yeah you'll have a wet really yeah 100 100 chorizo uh is one of my go-tos um with a little bit of hot sauce in there oh yeah yeah. bringing together all the cultures the best of all worlds yeah there you go uh, Tyler, I don't even know what chorizo was before I moved here. I know Tyler doesn't really <laughs> eat much food, but when he does, do you like uh, breakfast burritos, Tyler? I love breakfast burritos. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. I love making breakfast. 
And, you know, it has all the best breakfast foods. You got potatoes, eggs, some kind of meat in there, whatever you want, sausage, bacon, ham, whatever you want. I'm a fan of avocado, James. So I don't know what your problem is, but whatever. Put, put some avocado in there, some, some, some kind of sauce. It all cuddles up together nicely in a warm burrito. I mean, you can't, you like, you, you can never go wrong with a breakfast burrito. And I mean, for, for like me, eggs like, in a blanket. Exactly. I mean, I, I love breakfast. It's always been my favorite. And I think the breakfast burrito is probably like one of my top three favorite breakfast meals for sure. So I got, I got a little rundown for you. I got the five uh, of my favorite breakfast burritos. It's going to be a little skewed because, you know, now I want to kind of go on these missions and try all these other different places like I do with all types of food. But now I'm coming in at number one in Seal Beach, Nick's Deli. It's just the hometown spot for me. Uh, they're a deli, but they're two most popular items, the regular breakfast burrito and the veggie breakfast burrito. The regular is with chorizo uh, and has a nice red salsa with the seeds. So Alex would like it because it's got that hot spice red sauce. And it does also have the uh, chorizo in it. And it's toasted tortilla as well. So it's kind of all three things that he talked about. So he would love it. Cheese, of course, cheddar cheese. I get the veggie one. It's basically all that without the chorizo. I'm not a vegetarian. I don't know why. It just pairs up better to me. Coming in at number two, uh, Huntington Beach, Lupe's Taco Shop. Um, they have like 20 different burritos, but they got the beach breakfast burrito, which is what me and James are, are always craving. It's got sausage, uh, salsa verde, cheese, potatoes, bacon also, and it does have the sour cream, but the sour cream is kind of a game changer in it, right, James, what you said? Oh, yeah, sour cream, big time. And they, they do it the right way. They zigzag it in so you don't get pockets of it. That only happened to my other friend Ian once. Uh, that's all your fault, Ian. I don't know why, but it is your fault. Uh, number three, Troy's from Orange. This is the place Traden brought to us that day on week one of football. It kind of reminds me of Lupe's. They have giant burritos. Um, one thing is their salsa is hot as shit. It so, is. Yeah. It's green, right? I think it's a green it's salsa. A green one, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, you see the seeds in it, so you know it's coming. But uh, yeah, that's a fire breakfast. Tyler would love it. James <laughs> yeah. can run. James oh. can run two miles full sprint, and he doesn't sweat as much as when he has that salsa. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a, a super hot take. No pun intended. Uh, number four, Fanny's. Uh, I gotta throw in some LA love. This is a place in Redondo that apparently always has lines at the door. Had it once. My coworker took me there. It was good. They use hash browns, which I like, so you get the crispy crunch in it. But the one knock, uh, like James said earlier, every breakfast burrito, it needs more salsa. Like it was dry, and I got thirsty, and I needed more salsa anyways on the side. <laughs> but um, my fifth and final of that list, uh, shout out to Chico, a place called Nash's, actually. A good place to go get brunch. Here we go, Alex. I see you now. Yeah, I got you on that one. Yeah. They have actually a good low-key breakfast burrito. Not many people order it there. They toast the tortilla, um, and they give you some pico de gallo on the side, which is pretty bomb. Those fresh, clean flavors. But, yeah, I mean, it's more of a brunch spot that has a low-key breakfast burrito. There's places I looked up in L.A. that I need to try. Uh, Koufax is one that I heard is really bomb. Machine which does that Birdia breakfast burrito. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like that pulled uh, beef soaked in the red sauce all day. Um, there's a place called Burrito Bomba, which keeps popping up on my Instagram. It probably will pop up tonight because it hears me talking right now through these electronics. Um, but they cook it on that flat taco grill, and they mix it all up nice and well. Wexler's Deli, which does a pastrami burrito. I don't know. Apparently it's good. And there's a, the last place I need to try. It's called Low Key Burritos. Uh, they don't really say much about what they do. That's probably why they're called Low Key Burritos, but <laughs> worth a try. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on this history that I was trying to search for on the Cali Burrito. But you heard it here first. Or sorry, Breakfast Burrito. You heard it here first. It came from California, not from New Mexico, because the LA Times mentioned in the newspaper first. It's all that matters. Oh. That's all that matters. Well, that was perfect. And A, for the four of us that are going to be golfing Saturday, who's going to bring the breakfast burritos? Because I say I was going to. Yeah. 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 Lupe. There we go. Bring I'll be Lupe, expecting yeah. that. As long as I think Lupe's is open early enough. But yeah, uh, I will if they are. If not, then I'll bring the Knicks. You know, one of those two. And then we'll come back and uh, We're going to need that base. 
Yeah, we're gonna need that base. All right, guys. Well, that that does it for episode six. Uh, we got big sports uh, starting up uh, at the end of the week here, so so I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about, you know, in these coming weeks uh, as as everything kind of progresses. Um, keep up with us on Instagram. Check out our Twitch at twitch.tv backslash TLDR podcast. I'm always on there with James um, playing some video games and we're, we're happy to, to chat with you. Um, also, you know, give us some chirps on our Instagram posts. We always love that. And uh, we hope to see you guys on the next episode.